we're going to start a series on the love of God today. And um, this will really help you because you must, the foundation, the foundational revelation of a Christian that will, go, will grow every day of your life for all eternity is you will grow in a revelation knowledge of how much God loves you. Everything flows out of that. It's impossible to walk by faith if you're not walking in the love of God. You can't walk by faith because faith works by love, right? Could you imagine if you had a brand new 2022 car that's just beautiful, that has all the extras in it? It could look so good. People drive by your house. They look at your driveway and they see this beautiful car and they're like, wow, look at that. That is gorgeous. Inside, you've got plush leather. You know, we were out in Newport Beach, California, and it's like car Disneyland out there. You've got Rolls Royces everywhere. I didn't even know Bentley's made an SUV. You know, you have $500,000 Ferraris flying down the highway, you know, all this stuff. And, and you know, it wouldn't matter if you had a $500,000 automobile in your car or as a car, it would not matter. It would not ever be able to do anything if there was no gas in the tank, right? Well, pastor, okay, you know, I'm going green. Okay, so if you had a Tesla or some of the, we even saw some new brands of cars, you know, that are all electric. But if it had no, if the battery was not charged, right? Our pastor, he's had a Tesla for years. That thing goes zero to 60 in like, what is it, like 2.6 seconds or, you know, and it's weird. Like we were going uphill one time and he's like, check this out. And he just hit, hit it. And it's all wheel drive and it's electric so you don't hear anything. And all of a sudden you're thrown back in your seat and you're just flying up this hill, right? It's like, wow, Revelation 3.11, behold, I come quickly, right? You know, it's a... But if that battery wasn't charged, it wouldn't work. We have people that come to church and learn all the principles of faith, but they're never laying hold of anything because they're not learning how to yield and walk in the love of God. And so we're going to talk a lot about that. You're probably going to see some things about the love of God that you've never seen before. Because I just get a sense that we're going to go pretty far in this series. Um, when my wife met me, you know, she didn't realize this. I didn't even realize it, but I was steeped in worthlessness. The enemy had lied to me as a little kid. And I just, you know, I would walk around growing up in high school just saying this all the time. Never realized it. It'd be better if I was never born. Right? Steeped in worthlessness. So the call of God is on my life. And the predominant thing I would always teach on was the love of God, right? So the default thing, like sometimes, you know, we'll be talking and, uh, and my wife is kind of a maximizer and she has 800 things going on and, and she's like, man, that, serve, that sermon was awesome. I'm like, awesome, what, what did I preach on? And she'd look at me, you know, then, but the default, she just knew the default thing was the love of God. So like, you know, 
because that's what I always taught on, right? Well, I haven't, I mean, I talk a lot about the love of God, but I haven't taught a series on it in a long, long time. I've touched on it a little bit, but we're going to get into this because faith works by love. You need to know in the environment that you're living in on this earth that your God loves you, that he is with you, that he is for you, right? When you're doing the right thing and when you're not, he's still there, right? And when you mess up and you know how much he loves you, you will run back to him, right? So let's, let's start off with a foundational scripture. You may have never heard this. Uh, John 3, 16, right? Right? John 3, verse 16 it says this, for God so loved the world. God loves the world. Do you know right now, God is not holding man's sins against them. Could you imagine a holy God seeing what's going on in this world, even being blamed for it, right? Uh, a hurricane hits, hits a city and wipes out stuff. And what do they call it? An act of God. Well, you can call it an act of God as long as you use a very small g, the God of this world system. Because the whole thing's messed up because of, of sin. Because Satan, he's the small g with the emphasis on small g, right? God of this world system. When Jesus comes back and establishes his kingdom on this earth, there's going to be no tornadoes. There's going to be no hurricanes. The last earthquake that's going to happen while he's here is when his feet hit the Mount of Olives. And that's going to be a big earthquake. But after that, the earth is just going to go, he's back. Right? And, and so not only does the world blame God, but much of the church blames God. Well, I don't know why I'm going through this, but my pastor told me that, you know, this is just my cross to bear. And, you know, God has a, a bigger plan. You know, I lost a child, but, you know, God just has a bigger plan for that child. No, Satan steals, kills, and destroys. It's time we look at this and go, you know what? God loves me. He's given me his authority and his name. The enemy's not stealing from me anymore, right? And so it will help you tremendously to, to learn about the love of God and to learn how to yield to it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. We know who that is, Jesus Christ. And it says that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have what? Everlasting life. So Jesus said in John 10.10, 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But then Jesus said, but I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. And the word life, in the Greek language, there's four different words for life. This word is the word zoe, Z-O-E, the Greek word, it literally means the very essence of life that God has. So John 3, 16, 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting Zoe life. And that starts with right now. But now the key to this verse is in the word believe. So many people, especially in the modern church right now, they look at it a little differently. Well, I believe in Jesus. You know, I, yeah, I believe Jesus is God. And I prayed a little prayer when I was a little kid or at some point when I was real emotional. And, and you know, so I'm in. But, that's, but, but, but my life, don't tell me to come to church. I'm not never reading my Bible. I'm going to live the way I want to live. I'm going to do what I want to do. There's going to be a lot of people that all of a sudden one day, they're not going to be in heaven. They're not going to be with the Lord. And they're going to go, wait a minute, what, what in the world happened here? I believed in Jesus. And those demons are going to look at him and laugh and go, yeah, so did we. We, we knew he was God. We believed that. Satan's going to laugh and go, yeah, yeah, I believe he's God. So what? Right? The word believe in John 3.16, the Greek word means that I believe it so strongly that I am willing to commit my life to it or to him. Right? Why are people having a problem with that? Here's the deal, guys. God is irresistible. He's irresistible. As you get to know him, and, and it'll be really hard for you to know him apart from the word of God because he is the word of God. And, and this is the primary foundation of how I know my God. And as I get to know him, he will work overtime letting me know that I could trust him. He will show himself strong, right? Now, I could sense in my spirit that there's a whole bunch of people that just got slapped and are going, wow, I, you know, online, maybe here, I don't know. Uh, but people are like, so, um, so does that mean I'm not saved? Gosh, maybe I'm not saved. If you're sitting there asking that question, you need to really look at yourself. You thought I was going to say, well, if you're asking that question, then you're okay. No, 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 no. The Holy Spirit bears witness with your spirit that you're a child of God. And don't make this all about you. Don't think, well, I got to be perfect then to be a Christian. Yay. All I know to say to that is yikes. No, 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 no. No, no, this is not about, this is not about you. This is about Jesus did everything. You just have to say yes. And will you mess up? Absolutely. You know, it's okay. His mercy endures forever. But as you grow, the person that I would be concerned about, because I've asked this, you know, I grew, up, I grew up in a denomination. Man, I'm getting off on all this. I grew up in a denomination that we believe that, you know what, you get somebody to pray that prayer, the prayer of salvation, and they're just in. It doesn't matter if they don't want to pray. I mean, take a gun witnessing. Hold it to their head. If they pray that prayer, they're in. You know, once saved, always saved, man. I'm telling you. Well, is it once saved, always saved? You know, I think a lot of people, I, I don't believe you could lose your salvation like, oh, shoot, we're, I lost my keys. Where are my keys, right? No, no. 
You don't lose your salvation. Can you walk away from it? Absolutely. I think that happens very rarely. You know, you've got to really know a lot and grow a lot spiritually at one point to know enough to really walk away from God. And today, if you're fogging a mirror, if you could fog a mirror, and I'm looking at everybody, all of you look really alive. So thank you, you know, we're, we're alive, right? Then the verdict's not out on you. A person that is walking away from God, I've only known a couple in my life that they would look at me and say, one, one guy was a worship leader, and uh, would, would literally say, I hate Jesus Christ, I will never serve him, I don't want to be with him, right? Even a person like that, if they, if they keep walking like that for 30 years, and at the end of their life, they're like, what in the world was I thinking? Jesus, he's right there for them. Aren't you glad that God's mercy is better than our disobedience? Right? It's just so much greater. God is always looking for a way to get in your life to help you. That's who he is. Why? Because he is love. Right now, I mean, he, he hates a lot of what's going on in the world right now. And I'm telling you, that, that's going to come to an end. But he's long-suffering. He is long-suffering. I'm so thankful he is. But I don't think too many people walk away from God. Now, it seems like it. In the last probably now six years, I have never seen so many people that, that call themselves Christians, that have been in the church, and they've been leaders, they've been all, and they just, it's like they're asleep, and they just decide to walk away. Yeah, I'm not going to church anymore. You know, I, I, which, which I already meet, I don't read my Bible, I'm just going to kind of live my own life. It's almost like they're asleep. And I think many times, I think the biggest thing is there's a lot of people that think they're okay. Because so much of the church right now is entertainment driven. And it's emotional. And, and, and receiving Christ, like, like as an example, we, we, we talk about the word repentance. You know, there's two Greek words that mean to repent. One of them, and usually it has a lot of emotion in the word, weeping and all this stuff, but it really, there's no power to change in this word, and it literally means remorseful. Have you ever been that way? Have you ever had something in your life that you know God does not want you to do, but you're not willing to give it up? Now, you don't tell him you're not willing to give it up. We just do the la, 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 la thing, right? Right? And, and, and all this. So, so we're, we're, we're remorseful because, doggone it, man, I want to, I know I got to live for him, but I got this thing over here. And the way God is, he doesn't take you to second grade until you finish first grade. There are so many people that have not dealt with what God's dealing with that will step into ministry, and God's like, oh, time out. I can't talk to you about my revealed plan for your life, specifically what you're going to do, where you're going to go, because you're still not willing to do the word, just the written will of God. You're not walking in love. You're walking in unforgiveness. You're in so much pride. I do what I want to do. And there's blind spots that people have. 
But I think a lot of the people that have walked away, guys, I have to question whether they are saved. I know in my life I'm going to treat them as if they're not until I know they are. So many times we try to minister to somebody and we get frustrated because it's like, why can't they change? Listen, if they're not born again, they have no power to change, right? When I meet with people, I don't care if they've been in the church a lot. I'm always looking, are they born again? Are they really born again? And many times, here's the big thing that you see. Are they willing in any way? Is there a willingness to do what God wants? That, that, is, that, that a lot of times will reveal that man, you know, they are born again. They're just flesh ruled. They've not learned how to walk and live out of their spirit so that they can crucify their flesh. Because God won't crucify your flesh, right? God won't renew your mind. You have to choose to do that. You have to come to him, get in the word of God, and then the Holy Spirit brings revelation, and that will renew your mind. You have to draw near to him, and he'll draw near to you. Well, we've talked about a lot of things, but what is at the core of it? People don't really believe God. They don't give their life to him because they really don't know how much he loves them. You need to realize today, God's love for you is all the way. It is all out. He is 100% in love with you. All the past mistakes, all the present things that you're doing, all of them. Now, he's God, so he even sees your future. All of the faults and all of the things, all the stubbornness, all the pride that he might see you walk in over the next several years does not move how much he loves you. It doesn't cause him to pull anything away from you. When God sent Jesus, he gave everything for us. And so as we walk in a revelation, and and here's the thing, in this series, it'll build incredible strength. See, it's really hard to walk with the Lord when it's all dependent upon you. I've got to keep myself, right? Man, I know I'm struggling with alcohol, and I just, but I just got to do better. And this series will rid yourself of that. You know, I don't keep myself. He keeps me. Right? Addictions will fall off of you when you realize that God loves you so much. He wants to walk you into how to give that to him so that he can take that. I've seen so many people walk away from addictions and they all say the same thing. Wow, this thing plagued me for years And all of a sudden, I'm just free. It's as if I didn't have to do anything. Yeah. You just got to be willing and obedient. He will see to it that you eat the good of the land. Pastor, don't say that. You're giving people a license to sin. No, nobody needs a license to sin, right? Have you ever applied for a license before you sinned? No, 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 no. You just do it, right? Well, I'm here to tell you, Your disobedience does not move him. He loves you. 
When you mess up and you're going the wrong way, he loves you so much, his focus is not to slap you. None of that. He's just going, hey, you're walking off a cliff. Turn around, come with me. And he'll immediately start talking to you about, forget all that. Just forget it. Don't think about it anymore. You start saying about yourself what I say about you. Does that make sense? So let's keep going with this before I start meddling, because, you know, far be it for me to ever meddle. See, what we're seeing in John 3.16 is the God of heaven looked at mankind who was lost, and he literally opened a door through his son Jesus so that all mankind, whoever wants it, could have days of heaven on this earth. That's what he did in salvation. So let's go over to Matthew. Let's really, we're just going to lay a foundation today and we're just going to keep building on this. Matthew 22, verse 36. We're going to read from verse 36 to verse 40. Jesus is asked a question here. It starts out, it says, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus answered him and told him what the great commandment, quote, in the law was. All right? Now, if you're an Orthodox Jew, you would say the great commandment in the law, what it is, but you're a New Testament believer, so you have to say was because Jesus fulfilled the law. You're not under law today, you're under grace. Okay? So let's look at what this great commandment in the law was, though. Jesus said unto him, You shall love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second, the second or the second commandment in the law is this. It's like it, like unto it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang, that, that Greek word literally means stand, all the law and the prophets. So this is like the condensed version of the law. All the commandments, all the ordinances, what is it, like 613 of them, they all stand on these two. Loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and loving your neighbor as yourself. Wow. In other words, these commandments are to love God and to love others as you love yourself. Okay? So that's Old Testament the great commandments in the law, it's all, all the law and the prophets stand on this. Now go to John chapter 13. Let's come into the New Testament now. John chapter 13, because Jesus gives a new commandment to us. Okay? A new commandment. John 13, we're going to look at verse 34 and verse 35. Jesus says, a new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you. So now it's not 
loving God with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength, all this, and then loving my neighbor as I love myself. No, no, no. Now, the new commandment is that you love one another as I, Jesus said, love you, which is completely unconditional. And everybody said, amen. Some people said, amen. Others said, oh, me. Right? Because think about what that means. You're to love others. You know, there's cla- that's a big class, others. Right? Love one another, that's a big class. Love one another. So you're to love everybody in your church family as God loves you. Unconditionally. Well, that would do away with all division and offense in the church, wouldn't it? You can't can't have division and offense where there's love. It would really help marriages, wouldn't it? If you loved your spouse as God loves you. So you got to be careful about loving. I'm going to love Pastor Mark and, and, and Chris like I love myself. I didn't realize it, but many years, man, I didn't love myself. Now, I thought I did, right? No, I have to love them now as Jesus loves me. I don't know about you. Well, I think I do know about you. I was dead in my trespasses and sins. I was lost. I was actually in a position of being an enemy of God when he came and gave himself for me so that I could know him, right? This is interesting. It says, A new commandment I give unto you that you love one another as I have loved you. And then again, he says it again, that you also love one another. Now, when the Holy Spirit says two things in one verse, that's him screaming this. That also tells me that you're going to have something coming against you loving one another. Right? Right now, with with all the, the... Our generation of the church, we are so busy, we sit here and go, I just don't have time. I go to church, and the minute that thing is over, man, I'm out the door and out, you know, I'm just gone because I've got to go do my life. I am so glad, you know, we've been the churches when we visited. When church is over, it's like mice, gone. You know, people like to hang out and talk and and everything. It excites me when I see 100 people want to come eat chili. Some of the best chili that I've ever had. But still, people love to fellowship. It's relationship. We are a gathering faith. How did you like COVID when we couldn't come in here and have church? It doesn't work that way. Everybody watching online, if you're watching this church service, that's awesome. But if, if this is your church... If you're sitting there well and healthy and you just don't want to come to church, you're violating the very written word of God. You're not going to get much. Because right now somebody's standing there at a toaster. Right? Maybe right now me saying that to people online, what is it, the social media thing might just be doing this right now. Who knows? But you know, if one person goes, you know what, yeah, I need to get back in church. Why do we have live stream? It's to help people that can't come. Have you ever been busy? You just can't come, right? You can't always be at church because things happen. 
But we're a gathering faith. Why is that? Because our commandment is to love one another. And see, as we practice this here, have you ever come to church and had somebody kind of just say something to you that just kind of stung you? I would say, I would say, have you ever stung somebody? And all of us would go, oh, no, I would never do that. No, you know what? All of us have probably stung somebody. We just didn't even realize it. Right? All you got to do is just have a bad day. You come to church and, right? Now, right now, husbands and wives, just don't look at each other. (laughs) Just look ahead and smile. And everybody will know, hey, you know, in my marriage, that never happens. But no, we come here and we practice this. We walk in love with each other. And what's happening, what we don't realize, is we're getting ready for verse 35. It says, by this, by us loving one another as Christ loves the church, unconditionally. That means as I walk with Ray and Sheila, they have unlimited grace with me unlimited nothing that means nothing they will ever do will ever change the way i love them and you're thinking how can you do that no i can't do that in my own strength i've learned how to yield to the love of god that's in my heart it's unconditional you've all your your spirit is saturated with this love you actually love the people of the of your of the church that god's planted you in you love your Christian brothers and sisters that you run into. Many times that's just covered up by busyness, by other things. But the love of God, Romans tells us, has been shed abroad in our heart. It will enable you to love an enemy that has hurt you. It'll enable you when you walk onto a college campus that God has called you to go to, you look at it as, okay, this is my land. Lord, open doors for me, right? I I, I need to show the love of God. God saturated you with his love so that in your world you could reach out and love people like he loves. In other words, Jesus wants to love through you, right? Right? It says, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples. A big part of our witness is how we love each other. I can't even tell you how many times I've had people tell me, yeah, I don't go to church anymore. Right? Why? Well, this happened. Right? I had one father tell me that uh, they were going to a Lutheran church and their son in high school just went to, um, what do they call it, confirmation class and loved it so much that after it was over, there was this guy in the church that taught this. He came to him and said, hey, I know I've, I know I've went through this class, but can I keep coming? Because I just love this. He started reading his Bible, his dad said, just totally reading his Bible all the time, started really growing in the Lord, loving God with all of his heart. And then one day, his, his, his mom and dad dropped him off at the church because he didn't, couldn't drive yet, right? He goes into confirmation class and he forgot his book in the car. So he didn't have his confirmation book. And that day, the guy who normally taught the class 
was not there. And so the pastor of the church was, was going to teach the class. And you would think, wow, that's cool. So this pastor, he starts teaching a class, and he looks at this, you know, 15-year-old, and he goes, where's your book? And, and the young man, this man's son, who was telling me this story, this young man goes, oh, pastor, I'm so sorry. I left it in my parents' car when they dropped me off. And he goes, well, you can't be in my class without the book. And he's like, well, can I just look on with somebody or I could just, just sit here? It's, I said, you can't be in my class without the book. A pastor said this. So get out of my class. And as a matter of fact, get out of my church. Right? So this, this young man is like, okay, my parents, it's an hour class. They're going to be back to pick me up. So he leaves the class. He's pretty upset. And he sits out in the foyer by the front door waiting. He didn't want to call his parents because they're coming in an hour. And he's just sitting out there. Could you imagine how this young man felt? You got, would you say that you got, could you imagine if I was that rude to you? You might want to go look for another church, right? <laughs> be like, Peace out, right? Hope, hope you take a long walk off a short pier in shark-infested waters, Pastor Tony, right? <laughs> so, so then the class is over, and the pastor's going back to his office and walks through the foyer and sees the young man and goes, what are you doing in my church? I told you to get out of my church. And he literally made the young man get out. And the dad was telling me, my son's in prison right now. Now, this was years ago. And he goes, do you know that was the last day he ever went to church? That's the last day he ever read his Bible. Got in heavily into drugs, got into all kinds of stuff, and ultimately got caught dealing or whatever, is in prison now for years, became part of a Satanist group in prison and everything, and then at one point, he told me, it was probably a couple years later, he goes, man, he goes, you know what, my son, he came back to Christ in prison. Thank God, God finally got through to him. But think about that. See, I could have a bad day and just blast Mark or Chris, right? And you know what, at the end of the day, they're gonna be in heaven they're going to be okay. But out there, when people don't know God, you can say or do something out there that could cost somebody their eternity. And so this is what this is talking about. As we, this is why we're a gathering faith. And, and you know, different personalities mesh with you. So sometimes you're drawn to certain people. But I want to encourage you, let the love of God lead you to, to, to reach out to whoever. Because that person in the church that literally kind of grinds you the wrong way, right? One time we had, we had a couple here, they ended up, had a horrible marriage, got divorced, and uh, the wife came to me and goes, Pastor, I just don't know what to do. I'm like, what? 
my ex-husband is like Satan himself. And during worship, he's up on the, now he's, they're, they're not here, okay, so relax. <laughs> but, but during worship, he's on the worship team, right? So you have the lady with her new husband who has to look at her ex-husband. There's, this, this could get a little confusing, right? The love of God makes everything real simple. So she's like, what do I do? I go, it's easy, just close your eyes. Close your eyes. Don't look at him. Look at Jesus. And you think, well, okay. No, no. The love of God will let you do that. The love of God will take that ex-spouse of yours and you could actually love them unconditionally. Doesn't mean you're a doormat. Doesn't mean you let them beat you up anymore. Doesn't let any, but you love them with the love of God. But you'll never be able to do that if you don't love your brothers and sisters. Right? Right? What are we saying? We come to Word of Faith churches to learn how to take possession of all the blessings of God. I'm telling you how to take, take possession of all of them right now. Because faith works by love. Man, I'm telling you, when you get your cheeks slapped, and instead of responding out of your flat flesh to turn their other cheek, you respond out of your spirit, and you turn the other cheek to them. When somebody's out there talking bad about you and everything, and you're in, you're in your prayer closet praying for them. And your flesh is almost standing beside you going, are you kidding me? When you get to a point that when somebody hurts you, you can't even feel it. All you feel for them is love. Guess what? You're free. You're free. And that's what we're talking about here today. And your faith will work huge. So let's go to 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3, verse 14. Look at this. It says, we know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He that loves not his brother abides in death. This Greek word abides, it's the Greek word meno, M-E-N-O. It means to settle down and to remain, to stay and to continue in. He that loves not his brother settles down, remains stays and continues in death. I love a statement that Joyce Meyer made. I heard her, uh, I don't really listen to her a lot, but I heard this thing that she said and it was so powerful. She said, unforgiveness is kind of like you drinking poison expecting your enemy to die. <laughs> right? You, many of you have probably heard that. And that's the way it is. If you don't love your brother, you are literally abiding in death. Well, I don't, want to, I don't need a show of hands. I don't think anybody here wants to abide in death. But here's the thing. Some people have been greatly hurt by other people. And that doesn't mean you have to stay 
in that situation. You don't, if, if you're in a marriage and, and you're getting physically abused, you need to leave that, get out of that. But if you want to walk free from that, you better make sure you're walking in love and, and learning how to yield to the love of God so that you don't start carrying your past into your future so that a root of bitterness does not form in you, right? God wants you to live free. So in other words, everything hangs on this law of love. Our faith hangs on the Lord, stands on the law of love. Our prayer life stands on the law of love. Our healing, us walking in health, us being healed of sickness and disease, it literally stands on this law of love. Our deliverance, walking in the freedom that God has provided, it stands on this. Our prosperity, how God wants to take care of us and provide everything, it all stands on the law of love. You have to love your brother as God loves you. This is the most violated commandment in the Bible, right? And that's why God wants to help us with this. So agape love, agape is the word for the love of God. It's the Greek word, agape. There's, there's the love of God, the agape love of God, and then there's natural human love, okay? So let's contrast them a little bit. The agape love of God is unconditional. Natural, which I, I would say it this way, not, not just natural human love, it, it would be natural emotional love is conditional. Two people get together, they fall in love. They better get in agape love instead of natural emotional love. Because natural emotional love means I'm going to be nice to you if you're nice to me. I'll treat you right if you treat me right. That kind of love is gonna set you up to fail. But the love of God is unconditional. That means my love for Jeanette, my wife, is not based on what she does. I draw from this well within me so that if she ever pricks me a wrong way or whatever, instead of going, why did she do that to me? I say, wow, what's going on in her life? How can I help her, right? I tell the story on myself. When we started the church, our, our, our corporate church offices were in our living room, so Jeanette's desk was in our living room, and uh, my office was in the basement. So, which helped me to do all the laundry and stuff because the, the washer and dryer was like eight feet away, right? And so, I would come through the garage and you'd walk right into our living room and Jeanette's desk would be right there. And then there's a door that would go down in the basement. And I was having a day. Now, this is what, if this is the way it sounds in our house, this is not good unless we're asleep. This is the sound. Something's not right if it's quiet. We don't yell, right? I still remember somebody told us 
that, hey, I figured out why this person left our church years and years ago. And, and Sarah was a, a younger, David, you know, our kids were sitting on a couch and, and I was sitting in a chair, Jeanette was there. And, and the person told us, because Jeanette yelled at them. And we all kind of went. And David spoke up first and he goes, hmm, I've never heard mom yell. And then Sarah goes, yeah, I've never heard mom yell. And, and then I'm her husband, right, who's probably given her the most reasons to yell. And I'm like, wow, she's never yelled at me either. So I still tease Jeanette about that. You know, now we're going to church. Don't yell at anybody today, right? <laughs> but anyway, so I walk in. I'm not having a great day. And I walk in, and I say something to Jeanette that's just not really, wasn't bad, but it wasn't really nice, but it was with a wrong motive. And, and, and I just went downstairs, and I sit at my desk because I'm, I'm the pastor, and I'm gonna, I gotta get into the throne room to, to study and get a message for the people. And I open my Bible and I get my computer thing going and I, I, you know, all my books are down there. And so I start studying. And very distinctly in my spirit, the Holy Spirit says, what are you doing? Right, I'm, I'm sitting before my computer monitor, I got my Bible, what are you doing? And I'm like, well, I'm preparing, I'm studying to know you. Right? And he goes, he goes, I'm not revealing anything to you until you go upstairs and apologize to your wife. And then right when, the, right when he spoke that to me, I got like a, a text message or an email. I can't remember what it was. Was it a text? And I got a text from Jeanette, and uh, it was just, I love you, you're awesome, you know. And when I saw that, I'm like, okay, I know exactly what she's doing. She's trying to help me. And that's, that's what we do in our marriage. We help each other. We, why do we do that? Because we're so awesome? We just have the love of God abroad, shed abroad in our heart. We're learning how to yield to that. It keeps you free. The agape love of God is limitless. Natural emotional love is very limited, very limited. The agape love of God is unqualified, but the natural emotional love is completely based on emotion. What do I mean by unqualified? It means nobody has to qualify for me to love them. I just love people. I can't, I'm half Sicilian. I can't do that in my flesh, right? But, but as you learn to live out of your spirit, you can love everybody. It's amazing. It's not qualified. You just are able to love people. And you could flip. It, it's, it's, just, it's actually not even natural for you to yield into your flesh because you're not made to yield to that flesh. Agape love is concerned about others. Natural emotional love is always concerned about myself. Why did that person cut me off? Why did this happen to me? Me, 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 me. There's no freedom in that at all. No freedom. The agape love of God is selfless, right? 
the natural emotional love is self-centered. Agape love tolerates all. Natural emotional love is intolerant. Man, when you yield to the love of God, I'm kind of a neat freak. I like everything in its place. But if I'm yielding to the love of God, when my kids are growing up, I could trip over David's soccer bag, you know, uh, which has toxic waste in it called his soccer shoes, right? And that's smelling up the living room and you're just going, you know, when you're in a wrong place, you see that and you're like, why did he do that to me? He doesn't respect me. Man, I'm, this is it. When you're in the right place yielding to the love of God, you just pick it up, take it out of the way. You don't even think about it. It doesn't even bother you at all. Have you ever been bothered by things? Do you know whose fault that is? It's, it's our fault. Because we're yielding to this natural, emotional love that completely we're all about ourselves. We're never made to be that way. The agape love of God does not need to be loved back. Natural, emotional love needs to be loved back. Guys, are you in a marriage that's, that's struggling? You need to yield to the love of God so that you could love your spouse unconditionally and genuinely out of the love of God, which will put her and, or him in a position to where they can get some things figured out and that upward spiral in your marriage can start. It, and instead of this emotional thing where they're not treating you right, so what do you do? You don't treat them right, right? It doesn't take us long to learn each other's buttons, right? It Does it? Husbands and wives? I mean, look at that. Torian's leaving right now. Pastor Torian, <laughs> I'm out. I'm out. He loves me, so that didn't offend him at all. Actually, I might have to watch my back for a little bit on that one, but, uh, but this is the difference between these two. So let's look at another thing real quick. Let's do, you know, I wish you guys... I really want to go faster and further. So I'm just going to blame it on you, okay? So love me anyway. No, I'm just teasing. The old covenant heart versus the new covenant heart. I want you to see, we're going to take an aerial view of this so you could really see this. The first covenant, it was the Abrahamic covenant. So Acts chapter 7, verse 8 says this. Acts 7, 8 and he gave him the covenant of circumcision. And all the men said, ouch. Right? <laughs> that, that woke you up. And so Abraham begot Isaac and circumcised him the eighth day. Man, the eighth day in every male's life born in Israel was not fun. Thank God that they didn't remember it, right? And Isaac begot Jacob, and Jacob begot the 12 patriarchs. To be part of this old covenant, you had to be circumcised. Your flesh had to be circumcised. Now we have a new creation covenant. Okay? New creation covenant. It was established by Jesus. And now 
there's still circumcision, but what happens to us is there's a circumcision of the heart. This has happened to you. If you're born again this morning, your heart has been circumcised. Okay? Ezekiel chapter 11 in verse 19 and 20, and I'm going to read these verses in the Amplified Classic because it just brings it out and you can understand it. It says, and I will give them one heart, a new heart, and I will put a new spirit within them, and I will take the stony, unnaturally hardened heart out of their flesh, and I will give them a heart of flesh, sensitive and responsive to the touch of their God. Your heart is sensitive and responsive to the touch of God. Like I'm looking at a whole bunch of people that you may not live perfectly, but you have a heart. You're like, I want to do better. I want to walk with God. I mean, there's, there's such a hunger level here. It's wonderful. It goes on to say in verse 20, that they may walk in my statutes. Notice, I have to have this heart in order to walk according to his statutes and keep my ordinances and do them and they shall be my people, and I will be their God. Guys, we have to teach this because there's so many Christians that they have, their heart's been circumcised, but they are still living out of their flesh, but they don't have to. When I learned this, it changed my life. This new heart is ruled by love. It's not ruled by selfishness. You get out of the love walk and your spirit, the Holy Spirit doesn't have to convict you. Your spirit will be like, what are you doing? Right? Your, your spirit will always be right there. This new heart is created with the very nature and the very character of your father who is God. In the old covenant, men could have the anointing upon them. They could not have the anointing in them. Why? Because their heart was not right. The new heart has a new capacity to have the anointing of God within. I, my, my spirit man literally is the eternal home of the anointing. The Holy Spirit, man, he is the anointing. And the, the full measure of all the anointing of God <coughs> is within my spirit. That's amazing. I love this. So when Adam fell, when he sinned, what happened to him is his heart became stone. Okay? What, what, was, the what was the first thing that you saw in him? He became self-centered for the first time. Why did why, it, that self-centeredness caused him to want to cover himself? It caused him to go hide from God. And then when God showed up on the scene, what did it do? Hey, why did Adam, why are you where you are? Well, I'm self-centered now. Hey, the woman you gave me caused me to eat this fruit. Here's another thing that happened. Fear showed up for the first time. See, self-centeredness is the breeding ground for fear. Fear is the environment that helps the enemy. He could work in fear, right? Adam became controlled by his emotion for the first time. He had never been controlled by his emotion before. 
He lost all of his sensitivity to God because of his heart. So the old covenant versus the new covenant, the circumcision of the flesh versus the circumcision of the heart in the new birth. Your heart has been circumcised. In the old covenant, you were a servant. Now you are a son. You're a child of God. So Colossians, I'm going to go a little bit longer. Colossians 2.11, I'm going to read down through verse 14. In whom, talking about in Christ, also you are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands in putting off the body of sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Your heart has been circumcised from your flesh. You have to choose to be flesh ruled. It's not natural. Because your heart has had the flesh circumcised from it. The flesh is never to dominate you. We were buried, verse 12, with him in baptism, or in, in the literal Greek, by means of baptism. You could, you could read it this way because it's in the aorist tense in the Greek. We having been buried with him, wherein also you are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God who hath raised him from the dead. Wow. We have been raised with him through the faith literally, of the operational power of God who raised Jesus from the dead. And you, that's all of us, being dead, we were spiritually dead in our sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he, God, quickened. God made you and I alive. He made us alive with Christ, having forgiven you all, trespasses you're forgiven so do yourself a favor and stop beating yourself up because God forgave you how look at this blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that were against us which was contrary to us and took it out of the way he nailed it to the cross what Romans says it this way in Romans chapter 8 all of our sin past, present, and future, was literally condemned once and for all in the body of Jesus when he hung on the cross. See, when a person is born again, there is a stripping away of the flesh. Satan does not want you to know this because he wants you to be driven by your flesh. And it feels like you're driven, but in reality, you're free. See, Adam was perfect. His spirit had mastery and ascendancy over his flesh. But when Adam sinned, his emotions took charge. His body and selfishness ascended above the spirit and it dominated his spirit. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. When your emotions are ruling, it causes your senses and body to ascend above your spirit and dominate you. That's where most Christians are living today. Your heart is now governed by feelings, senses, and the body, but it's not designed to be. 
When you were born again, the ascendancy and dominion of the senses were stripped away. Your heart was circumcised. In other words, as you're sitting here today, you no longer have to obey your flesh. You don't have to obey your feelings and your emotions. And if you think about it, literally, literally, what Satan does to the believer is he gets your eyes off Jesus, whether because you're too busy or here's a big one, I'm not willing to give up my old friends. Those old friends will pull you right down every time. Why? Because they're bad? No, no, no. You, two people can't walk together unless they're agreed. And, and it'll ignite your flesh. A lot of times Christians get messed up because they have a desire to help their friends. Listen, go get strong. Be led by the Spirit of God. They'll probably be your fruit someday, but not today. Right? See, Romans 5.5, 5, and hope maketh not ashamed. Why? Because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto me. Now God's love leads me on the inside, not by my emotions, not by my feelings. Now we have the potential to dominate our senses, our feelings, and our emotions. Now we have the capacity to love the unlovely, to love our enemies. Now you, as a believer, can override your emotions. Gosh, Satan doesn't want you to know this. And this is why we got to teach on the love of God. It is the most powerful thing in the universe, and it will eradicate all the junk that's messing with you in your life. Now Jesus could give us a new commandment of agape love. He couldn't give that commandment to us until we were made new. This is the new commandment. Those disciples that heard that in John chapter 13 could not do that until they got born again. But now that we're born again, you can do it. You learn to yield to the love of God, it will bring so much power into your life. Now we can love with God's capacity. Every time we try to exist out of the love of God, we'll fail. Every time. We give God permission to express his love to others through us. Right? We live our life. One of the biggest confessions of your life as you learn to yield to the love of God is you will walk around declaring what the love of God can do. You know one thing it does? It casts out fear. There should be zero fear ever in the life of a believer. I don't fear what man can do to me. I don't fear any sickness. I don't fear any disease. I don't fear any viruses. I walk in this earth fearless, and what that does is it literally puts me in a position where Satan can't operate. Right? That's where God wants you. God asks, will you love what is not lovely so that he can come in and make them lovely? Right? That is, that is everything. Oh, there's so much more. Will you love that which is unlovely so that God could come in? Think of your life. We all have the same story. It's just the facts are different. Aren't you glad that God's never given up on you? Aren't you glad that God sent people into your life to help you 
even when you didn't think you needed help or, or when you didn't want help. And even when you said no to him over and over and over, the Holy Spirit just kept looking at your life and going into your life trying to find a way so that you could yield to him because God loves you. I'm telling you guys, walking in the love of God will help you to walk out the plan that he has for your life because you can't walk it out if you're in fear, right? Some people are right here and that chair is the next step, but man, this is my comfort zone and I just so, I know there's something within me, but you're gonna have to get out of the boat and to get out of the boat, you're gonna have to get, now this is prophetic for somebody or maybe more, you're gonna have to let go of your past to pursue what God really has for you. I hope in this series you find out who you are because you are fearless. You are strong in the Lord. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You have been given all authority in the name of Jesus to have absolute mastery over all the satanic hierarchy, over all Satan's ability, and nothing is to hurt you. That is that's what we're talking about in this, in this series. So I pray that you grab hold of some of this stuff, outline these scriptures. We're gonna go deep into it. You're gonna probably hear some things you've never heard before. Maybe, I don't know. But I could tell you this, the Holy Spirit wants you to hear some things that you've never heard before.